Um, babe, uh, why are you guys using the mic right now? Because we're recording. I'm sorry, did you just say recording? Yeah. Recording. Re- recording. Hmm. It's funny because you're supposed to be picking up your tux. And I also need you to get the tablecloths, the alcohol. There's like a long list of things you can be doing right now. But, but baby, we're talking with Pat Piscatelli. Oh, Pat Piscatelli, huh? Well, maybe you can marry him then, huh? Why don't you do that? And you, Ben, you're supposed to be his best man. Shouldn't you be keeping up, you know, making sure he does the right thing, keeping it straight? What? I'm y'all's priest. That's even worse. Worse. Wait, this one? Band de amateurs. My name is Chris Davis, and joining me as always is the soccer goose himself, Ben Gosshorn. How's it going, Ben? I am doing pretty good. So, uh, well, this episode is a very special one for multiple reasons. Uh, first of all, as you heard in the intro, uh, I'm actually getting married this weekend. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and actually, probably because I'm a little sentimental, uh, rather than releasing this on Monday, I might have it post the moment that we're probably saying I do at the wedding. Uh, just like... Obviously, I won't see it because I won't be checking my phone because then, you know, I'll get a very quick annulment. Yep. But, um, uh, you know, I figure, you know, it's a little nice thing and then, you know, y'all can listen to it or whenever you want, which, because, you know, everyone listens to the podcast right when it comes out. Of course. But, um, so because of that, uh, Ben is actually my priest uh, for the wedding uh, as he is a card carrying member of the Church of Latter day Dude, as mm-hmm. am I. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch The Big Lebowski. Seriously. Yeah. Watch the Big Lebowski. Uh, but um, because of that, we've been so busy with all this, that, and the other. We're recording this ahead of time. We have no idea what happened this week in the world of amateur soccer. No. I know. We picked a really good time of the year to get married. It's going to be really um, bad if amateur soccer did, doesn't happen randomly. I don't know what scenario that would be, but like, if like just no games happen in honor of my wedding so I don't miss anything? Is that what you're saying? There you go. That makes sense. I mean, I don't feel like that'd be bad. I feel like that'd be very nice of everyone. Can everyone just not play one week? And Nobody's soccer. Back? Yeah, so I can catch it all because my <laughs> new wife now will kill me if I'm watching soccer on our wedding and or honeymoon. <laughs> legally able to. But uh, so I thought this would be a good week for us to drop a very special episode for us. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've uh, followed this podcast from the beginning, you know we were both big fans of the Merle Beach Mutiny, and uh, you would have heard in our first episode that the Merle Beach Mutiny ceased operations this year. The Mutiny in their short time was one of the most successful teams in the Carolinas. They were also committed to being involved in their community. So today's interview is with Pat Piscatelli, who was a general manager for every year except for the first. And their first year, he was, uh, I believe, their goalkeeper coach, if I remember correctly, from previous conversations. Um, Since Ben and I started learning about amateur soccer in our area, Pat has been one of the most helpful, candid, and most fun people to talk with that we've encountered. We talked to Pat about things, how things went right and what things went wrong with the mutiny. And... um, just more about them. One of the most fun teams watching the Carolinas. So, without further ado, here's our interview with Pat. And Ben and I are joined now by the former general manager of the Myrtle Beach Mutiny. It's Pat Piscatelli. How's it going, Pat? Good, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing yeah, great. we're doing great. Happy to have you with us here. It's always fun talking with you. 
Absolutely. It's been a, it's been a long off season. I've kind of missed you guys. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, we, we missed you too. We're definitely going to miss the mutiny this year when um, we, we were definitely uh, taken off guard a bit um, when uh, we saw the mutiny tweet that announcement. I want to say it was a little bit before Thanksgiving. Um, yep. And uh, we were like, first thing I said, I reached out to you to see, you know, what was going on a bit. And we definitely mentioned whenever we got back into our swing of things, we had to get you on the podcast to talk about what was going on. But uh, before we do that, though, just for any new listeners we might have or, you know, I mean, I guess mostly for that, uh, can you kind of tell, like, you know, in your own words, kind of the story of the mutiny from the beginning and who you guys were, what you did, what you accomplished and things like that before we get into, you know, why you guys ceased operations? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great pretty much uh, eight year run for, for the mutiny. Um, I like to say we were the most successful uh, soccer team through Myrtle Beach that's come through here. Uh, there's been a couple other teams, the Sea Dogs and Myrtle Beach Boys, but both of them only lasted about two years. Uh, us lasting eight years was, was pretty great. Uh, but kind of how we started was a gentleman by the name of Trim Hogner. He's from Norway. Uh, he came over here with a buddy of his, and they decided that they wanted to start up a soccer team. And they, uh, they found a home here in Myrtle Beach, started up with the NPSL, and uh, ran that for uh, a year or so with the NPSL. Due to business reasons, halfway through the second year, Trim said, hey, look, I can't do this anymore. I had to go back to Norway. So he left and went back to Norway. And that's where myself and uh, one of the youth clubs here in the Myrtle Beach area took on the, the mutiny. Uh, Coast FA was the youth club. And uh, we kind of just took it and made it kind of our little um, our little project, kind of like the uh, – the top of the pyramid for the youth kids, uh, something to kind of strive for to make it to the top level in, inside the club. We were quite successful in the NPSL. Um, our last two years in the NPSL, we won the South Atlantic Division, got Open Cup bids, uh, did very well on that, made all the way to the uh, regional finals, end up losing to uh, Chattanooga in the, fi- in the regional finals for the South. Mm-hmm. Then we decided that it was it was in our best interest uh, to switch over to at the former time called the PDL. Mm-hmm. The uh, PDL brought us some more local rivalries. Being a, a small club, small market team that we were in, we loved the idea of having local rivalries. And our local rivalries on the youth side were the South Carolina United Bantams. Mm-hmm. We got connected with them, so that was a rivalry for us. Um, we were competing on, on the youth side also with North Carolina FC at the time. They were called Castle. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just made sense. The Wilmington Hammerheads were involved at the time. just made sense for us to move over there and kind of bring the path, the, the path to pro that PDL pushed so, far, so well um, together. So we had the whole youth all the way up to, the, to the, basically the, the PDL level, which was a great, great model. Um, first year in the PDL, I think we, we shocked some people. I shocked myself as well, uh, being so successful, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Uh, we had a great first year, won the South Atlantic Division again, got another U.S. Open Cup bid. Um, then went into to last season, won the South Atlantic Division again, um, and then we got another Open Cup bid. But before we were able to accept that Open Cup bid in November, we decided to uh, – to kind of shut the team down after a, a seven-year run of Costa Fe running the team, 
eight years in existence. Mm. And it was uh, it was a tough decision to make. Um, at times, I do regret it. But um, it, it was uh, for business sense as it was the decision that had to be made. Hmm. So, so taking it just a step back, and this may have been a little before your time, but, but what was um, the reason behind starting with the NPSL uh, to start a club uh, in, in Myrtle Beach? Um, there, there was, at the time, there wasn't anything in the area. Uh, when I say the area, I'm talking the Carolinas uh, on the NPSL side. There was a couple of USL teams, but there wasn't any PDL teams. At that time, the Charleston Battery were USL. The um, Charlotte Eagles were USL. And that was it in the Carolinas. But the NPSL kind of started up and started putting little pockets of teams. Uh, it's it's a, I don't want to say it's cheaper, but the entry fee to uh, put a team into the NPSL is less than it is on the USL mm-hmm. level. So it kind of made sense financially to start it in the NPSL, uh, but with the ultimate goal of eventually going into the USL uh, model as, as the market grew and the time grew and the, the team grew and that stuff. Mm. That makes sense. And what, um, just for reference's sake, uh, what, uh, yeah. what time frame was that? Was that what year was that when you uh, had started the club? Uh, the club was started in 2010, I believe. 2010. 2000, and then their first games were played in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played our first games. Uh, my first year involved with it, uh, I was involved with it the first year. I didn't really have much doings with it the first year, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second year is kind of where I stepped in and, and started taking a lot more of the the leadership role involvement at that point in time. So I guess that was 2012-ish was when it was. Mm. And um, so so then uh, I want to say what was it about, two, well, I guess it have been three years ago now is when you guys made the switch over to the PDL. And um, I'm wondering in retrospect, and we're going to get more like the type of like what all you think went right and wrong with the mutiny. But do you feel like that switch to the PDL helped or hurt your guys' longevity as a club? No, that's that's the million dollar question, guys. I wish I knew the answer to that one. Uh, Do I think it was the right decision yes um the the npsl is a great league Uh, i I support the npsl i have a lot of friends still over there Mm -hmm. i support what usl is doing i think usl is is going way above and beyond uh that's i think that's somewhat a direction of of where soccer needs to be going i like the usl model Mm -hmm. um but the 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 cost affiliated yeah there's some difference with it um, but I think the high, the biggest thing was from NPSL to P, uh, to USL mm-hmm. is the standards. They hold you to a higher standard. USL does not let you get away with some of the standards or, or lack of standards that the NPSL does. Mm-hmm. Also, the level of players. The level of players is it's much harder to um, put a, a team together because there's so many more restrictions on you mm-hmm. on the USL because they actually limit things uh kind of like in in mls or europe you're only allowed so many internationals and then because usl 2 formerly pdl is uh, a developmental league mm-hmm. they limit how many over 23s you can have 
NPSL didn't let you do that. Mm. They didn't have those rules. You can do whatever you want. So when we were playing NPSL, um, I hope I don't offend anyone when I say this, but the the standard um, uh, wasn't always the highest because you had some teams that just had a bunch of, you know, hey, I'm an old guy, a bunch of old guys just out there kicking it around. <laughs> but then they had some teams that were really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the USL, it's kind of more of a, uh, a level playing field because everyone has to play by the same rules. And it, it made it a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, which was I liked it. You know, uh, it made it more of uh, had to manage a little bit more. It's kind of like uh, if you compare it to Major League Baseball, the NPSL is like the uh, the uh, the American League where you don't have to worry about the DH. You can just go ahead and switch your pitchers as much as you want. The uh, the National League, you have the D you don't have the DH, so you have to worry about pitchers and batting. So the, the, the PDL USL two kind of makes you think about it that way. How many internationals can I bring? How many over 23s I can? And, and just playing that, that whole little, I want to call it game, but it's not really a game because it's not fair to call it that with the, with the kids' lives and careers, but that whole chess match mm. is kind of a fair way to say it. Okay. So it, it was, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed my experience in the USL. I enjoyed my experience in the, in the NPSL as well, though. Okay. For me personally, it was something I've always been curious about, why teams go from NPSL to PDL or vice versa, like which sides they pick. Like I remember the first time me and you spoke is when you guys switched to the PDL, and uh, I thought it was interesting. It was a lot of kind of the same things you were saying. I was just personally curious because I know like with the higher standards that the USL has, you know, it can be a little more costly on that side. But then at the same time, a big thing you talked about at the time and you've already mentioned was – the benefit for you moving over to USL was the local rivalry. So not only is that beneficial just from a, you know, it's you know nice to play a teams in South and North Carolina, but also that's less travel cost because you're not traveling as far away to play your competitions. You're exactly right. And again, I also love what the, the USL does on their marketing side. They are incredible at helping promote the players. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to say that in this past MLS draft uh, that just happened that we had three former mutiny players drafted in the first, you know, two rounds, Mm -hmm. which is, which is amazing. You know, Uh, one of them is starting for new England revolution, Dwan Jones. Uh, He he was a a fan favorite for, for all the kids here. And it's, it's hysterical now to see kids walking around the area wearing Dwan Jones jerseys. Um, Dwan used to, after every mutiny game, race the kids. Mm-hmm. So all the kids uh, used to try and race them, and none of them can beat them, but they always used to try. Uh, but it, it's pretty cool to see how that progression has happened. Mm-hmm. And US, I have to give USL some of the credit for that because they do such a great job of taking some of that marketing and promotional stuff off our plate and give us a, a larger platform to showcase our talent showcasing a game of the week you know goal of the week save of the week mm-hmm. players of the week they do such a great job at that so i was able to cut some cost on some of my marketing budget there because they helped me on that end yeah, so it, it was a great great thing that they do there mm-hmm. absolutely so so one thing we're kind of curious on is what what would you say went wrong with the transition after you were in the PDL in the last couple of years or so? Because I know we've talked about it 
um, the issues playing yeah. in Myrtle Beach and just running a club there. But but what would you say, looking back, were some of the issues playing there? You know, I, I've got to give uh, my, uh, my friend Sean McDaniels with the uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves uh, some credit for this. And, and I didn't listen to him. He said, Pat, when you're doing this, you need a team around you. You can't do it yourself. And, and unfortunately, I, I didn't listen to Sean. And I kind of said, oh, Sean doesn't know what he's talking about. I can do this all myself. I can still run my full-time career as well as run the mutiny. It's no big deal. Well, because of that, things started slipping through the cracks. Um, one of the things was we, the city of Myrtle Beach said, hey, look, you guys can't use Ashley Booth for the next year. Uh, we don't have a locker room for you. And instead of me preparing and having a backup plan, we just picked up and moved to North Myrtle Beach. Mm. So that was, if there's something that I probably have regrets on, that would probably be one of them. You know, having to move a location. We had a great fan base here in the city of Myrtle Beach. Mm. And we just picked up and moved, um, which kind of hurt us. It, it definitely did hurt us in, a, in attendance. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's the, the, the reason for our downfall, but that, that didn't help it. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was difficult to get the fans who are accustomed to driving. You know, City of Myrtle Beach is 20 minutes from everywhere on the Grand Strand. Mm-hmm. To potentially driving an hour to North Myrtle Beach, some people. So that kind of hurt us on that end, um, not having the support staff there and moving up to North Myrtle Beach. You know, the city of North Myrtle Beach and city of Myrtle Beach, they should get along, but they don't. You know, the North Myrtle Beach didn't like us having Myrtle Beach in our name. So we changed our name to the Coast FA Mutiny. Mm. Uh, And so little things like that kind of we lost our identity a little bit. So it was kind of like when we moved into the PDL, we moved venues. And I was almost back at year one, starting all over again. Mm. Um, we didn't change our logo. We didn't change anything. Um, we actually got better on the field, which was great. But we um, we lost our identity. We lost some momentum that we had. And, and, and I do think when we switched leagues, we lost our ability to go into the U.S. Open Cup. And I think that hurt us some, too. Uh, that's a huge marketing thing for people. People love the U.S. Open Cup. That's one of my favorite soccer tournaments in the country right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, you can have a, you know, I, I love the, the commercial that, that they have going on right now. is talking about how you can have a, a liquor store sponsor team that doesn't mm-hmm. practice <laughs> playing against an MLS team. Yeah. You know, that's so <laughs> crazy, yep. you know, to think about that. And I think losing that bid because we changed leagues hurt us because a lot of people are looking forward to that. Um, I think also, and I'm going to take some cre- some blame for this myself, not having also um, big wins or wins actually in the Open Cup. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, we're 0-2 in the Open Cup. Mm. Uh, both games we lost in the Open Cup were one-goal games. Mm. And that hurt us because – Next round, both times we would have played the Charleston Battery. Yeah, you know that would have, yeah. You know that would have been great. You know we we have a great relationship with the Charleston Battery. We used to go and scrimmage them twice a year, mm-hmm. and um, you know the, those players love playing with us. We've developed a great relationship, and, and I always co- uh, joke with uh, with Augie down there. 
if the chips are on the table, I love to see what happens. <laughs> you know, it yeah. would be great. You know, uh, Augie and I go back about 30 years, so it's a oh, it's wow. a good relationship. Oh, wow. We have, uh, but it, it's it's a great great time mm-hmm. to to build that relate re, uh, rivalry kind of going back to how we kind of started it. How great would it be to say that we played them? In a U.S. Open Cup game, you know, the battle for Highway 17, mm-hmm. you know, Myrtle Beach and Charleston are connected by Highway 17. That's it. Mm-hmm. So that would have been the, the, the cool thing to have that in there. And I think little things like that would make a big difference. Uh, I, I love uh, I'm a big believer in local rivalries. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I think we lost some of our identity. Uh, we tried to come over to when well, we came over to the PDL. Um, we were all excited. The fact that we had South Carolina Bantams, who's our biggest youth rival. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not making excuses and I'm not blaming USL for this, but they're our biggest youth rival. They're two hours down the road from us. And we never played them in USL games. Yeah, that bummed me out. Yeah. They, they put us in different divisions. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of hurt us. That, that, and, Again, I'm sorry. I'm not really making excuses. I'm the only person to blame in the failure of the mutiny is, is myself. But little things like that could have helped us. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that that kind of small market teams like this, we don't have millions and millions of dollars where we can just keep throwing money into it. And ultimately, in the end, it came down to a dollar and cents things. Mm. And it just kind of was the demise of it. Yeah. And, and I, I'll give you some credit here, though, because, I mean, you're saying it's all your fault and all that. But, like, what we noticed a mutiny from up here in Charlotte. And uh, the first time I ever saw the mutiny actually was in one of the Open Cuff games. I think y'all played the Eagles. Yep, the yeah. Charlotte Eagles, I, yeah. That's the first time. I, that's when I learned the mutiny existed. I think that was before I ever started writing or podcasting about soccer at all. And uh, you guys, like, you, you, you do almost everything yourself, it sounded like. But I know, like, you guys had uh, a pretty good social media presence with uh, Twitter. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Really cool yeah, dude. Ro- Robert. Yeah, Robert. Robert Downs. Robert, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the legendary Robert Downs. He, he, <laughs> he is a legend. He, he had a great hustle. Not only was he great with all the gifs and the back and forth of Lionsbridge last year, but, like, okay. when we first did uh, any sort of um, – you know, when we were working with the uh, Soccer and Sweet Tea, when we were doing our podcast, he was constantly hitting us up, like, like around that level where he wasn't annoying, but he was just persistent enough to where, like, we were not going to forget the mutiny existed. Yeah. You know, trying his best to get coverage out there. Mm. And then the, all the little game time atmosphere stuff that you guys have, like you said, the racing the players, the um, the band that you would have play behind the goalkeeper. I mean, oh yeah, everyone loves the band. You know, like I don't remember another team we've ever visited doing something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. all of that little stuff is a lot of fun, and that's why like I feel like really bummed out that you guys are no longer going to be competing because it was a lot of fun coming down to Myrtle Beach. Even though, like you said, attendance wasn't that you know great. I remember talking with someone at Lionsbridge when because when we came down, that's who you guys were playing, and they were shocked at how few fans were there. Like. You watch the stream and you think there's like, you know, a thousand or two people there, like how loud it is and how energetic it can be. Mm-hmm. So like uh, whatever fans you did attract to the games, uh, you gave them a fun product on the field and off the field to really enjoy a good atmosphere and a good time. Yeah, I, I can definitely, you know, I'm very thankful for the fans that we did have and, and the fans that came to the games were, 
engaged. It wasn't kind of a, a boring atmosphere. Um, and, and I'm going to take uh, give Robert a lot of credit for this. You know, uh, I, I don't want to say we faked it till we made it, but um, he figured out how to put the mics and all that stuff in the right spot to add that more atmosphere, to add more of that into it, and how to put the right camera angles. I mean, mm-hmm. Robert was a huge success to, to the mutiny on that side, and um, you know, I'm, I'm indebted to him forever for, for all he's done for us. And it's a it's a big change. Um, from watching it on TV to actual being there, I mean, it's 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 sad. Some people never got the opportunity to see the product that we put on the field because I truly believe we put one of the better, if not the best, products around mm-hmm. on the field. And and I'm being conceited when I say this, but our win loss record pretty much shows it. We, we had a great product on the field and that goes all to the players and to the coaching staff who, who did all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did all the stuff behind the scenes, but they did a great job on the field that we, I had someone, um, I believe, I think it was Darren down at Tormenta that was giving me a hard time. He's like, Pat, you've lost more games in the playoffs and open cups in the last four years than you've lost in the regular season it's like thanks Darren I appreciate that I'd like to call that thanks. a cop assault it's a, <laughs> yeah so that's a good yeah. one now yeah he, he got me good on that one and he likes to also push in mind that two of those losses were to him so right uh, right <laughs> yeah and just to transition to something a little bit different more um glass half full I guess you could say what would you say if you had to pick one or maybe Two or three, let's say, because you probably have a handful of things that you really um, are proud of that you accomplished with the mutiny. What would those be? Um, I can. Uh, there, there's a there's a story uh, that I felt really proud in um, because my one of my goals was to make the mutiny a no name. Mm. Uh, it's a no-name team. It's a Myrtle Beach team that nobody even knows that Myrtle Beach really even has soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, I want us to be on the pretty much the, the national level. I want people to recognize us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was pretty eye-opening for me um, when one of our executive directors went to watch an MLS game uh, through our sponsor, Capelli Sports. Went with them. And he was there, uh, our executive director of the youth club was there, and he was there for the youth club, and he noticed the mutiny badge. And this is guys in the MLS executives that had no idea who this gentleman was and said, oh, oh, you're with the mutiny? I follow them. I watch them. You got a couple of good players. Mm. When I have an MLS director recognizing what we were doing here in little old Myrtle Beach... To me, that's huge. That's kind of what I wanted to accomplish, to put us on the soccer map. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge, huge thing for me to, to get recognition that way. Um, and still to the day, I'm getting calls from every college coach in America just about saying, hey, Pat, you guys got some room for such such player. you know? And unfortunately, I have to tell them no. But I made us a, a known franchise. Mm-hmm. We're not just some fly-by-night team. Um, and there's a lot of them, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to have a known name. Um, but then the other biggest thing for me, um, was these, this, I guess it was two weekends ago, 
or so. Um, when we kind of looked at, I was actually sitting with Kyle, Tim, uh, our old coach, and we said, "Hey, let's let's look at how many guys we've got currently playing this weekend in the MLS or USL." And we were we were blown away. I mean, we had 12 players from the last two years' teams playing or starting in an MLS or USL game. Mm. And that's just like, wow. I mean, the impact that I've made on those kids' lives um, is huge. Mm. You know, I get text messages all the time from some of them saying, hey, thanks. And, you know, when we first folded, uh, a guy, he's a goalkeeper coach at Anderson College, um, Davis. Davis Smith is his name. He called me in, in almost tears and left me a message saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm so sorry, you know, you guys helped save my career. And, you know, because of you, I, I listened to what you said about not being a player anymore and how I'll be a better coach. And I just got a job at Anderson College as a goalkeeper coach. And just having those impact on those kids and I feel that I helped mold some of their lives, that's the biggest thing. Um those are the two biggest things I'm most proud about having those kids now thank me for all of the, the time and changes of their careers. Wow. That, that, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, definitely something. That and that's why we about. do it. Yeah. You know, and that, that's why we do it. You know, uh, my glory days are over. I never really had any glory days, but you know, uh, if I could help someone have an impact on someone else's life, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, you know, the, the, the things that are most important to me when I would bring a kid to Myrtle Beach is, yeah, I want you to have some fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want you to develop as a soccer player. Yeah, I want you to develop as a man. But most importantly, I want you to have an impact on my community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys had some major impacts in my community. Some of them are still here in my community coaching. Uh, some of them have gone on to do other things but are still connected to my community in some way. Um, I, I love the fact that Kyoki Hutchinson, who is was a former mutiny player, is now running the Dayton, uh, the uh, Daytona team. Hmm. You know, where, where he's down there. And I'm like, holy cow, that's a mutiny player now helping, you know, be the general manager of, of another USL team. That And he's calling me, asking me for advice. So hmm. to see how far the mutiny web has, has grown, it's, it's amazing, you know. From Tom Morris up at Lions Bridge to Jack Winter, who's coaching at Lenore Ryan, who just won a, a conference championship for the first time. So it's great to see some of these players have gone on to do other things and the impact that we've had. And that's that's what it's ultimately about. That's what I'm proud about. Wow. Yeah. Well, it it's definitely sounds like uh, both Myrtle Beach and uh, you know lower division soccer is going to be missing the mutiny quite a bit. Uh, just the way that you guys did in the short time that you guys were around uh it's uh, definitely a bummer that you guys aren't going to be around but it, it from what you were saying earlier it sounded like you know juggling both this and your you know your full-time job your your business in itself was a, a whole lot so uh the question that we had for you though is uh kind of what's next for you personally now that you're you know done with the mutiny and that chapter's done what are you what are you up to next um, I like to say that I'm going to take a little bit of a break from soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still heavily involved with uh, talking a lot of trash with all of my former uh, 
general managers and, and other coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still give them a hard time that say, look, I'm still defending South Atlantic champs. <laughs> I like to see you guys beat us. You know, uh, we're, we're going out as the champs, uh, you know, till you beat me, you're, I'm still the champ. So uh, I give them a lot of hard times about that. I have a feeling I may be getting involved in some Twitter wars with some people. No fun. Uh, I, I think uh, there may be a, a mutiny Twitter uh, appearance here or there. <laughs> that we, st- we still have the the, uh, the the account up on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Facebook one's invisible right now, mm-hmm. but it may show back up at some point in time. <laughs> and uh, there may be some uh, some guest appearances. I know Robert's biting out his bits as well to uh, to say some stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think we're gonna kind of uh, like to be a part with you guys a little bit more throughout the season. Um, you know, give my opinion on some games and some stuff like that. I think it, it, it's it's fun. Uh, I'm kind of enjoying being on, on this side of the table for a little bit. Uh, to say that I'll be completely be out of it forever. I don't know. That's that's a hard thing. It's it's in my blood. Um, it, it really is in my blood, and I don't know if I can give it up forever. Um, I, I got to give uh, my buddy Seth at Tobacco Roads. Been he's actually here in Myrtle Beach right now hmm. uh, as we're taping this, and him and I are supposed to get together tonight. And he's trying to coast me to come back up there and help those guys. And I'm not doing that, but um, <laughs> we're, we're we're definitely going to uh, we're definitely going to have some fun with it and. Um, hmm. You know, who knows? Maybe at some point in time I'll end back up with a team. Yeah, uh, I, I half expected you to say something about Tobacco Road with uh, your buddy Seth up there. I remember you said you guys talk about every day, right? Pretty much throughout the season we used to talk every morning, him and I. And uh, it was from what the, some player did the week before or the day before or, uh, or situations, and, and it, it was – it was a good time, so uh, I am taking him to Top Golf tonight, and I do plan on beating him. <laughs> so, uh, so he he just needs to be prepared for that. It, it, it is, uh, it's kind of fun, you know. Uh, it, it, it's a good, good uh, relationship Seth and I have, right. which is fun. And, and uh, Cedric's doing a great job this year. I know uh, some of the players that they're bringing in already uh, could be some really good impact players, and who knows, you may see some former Mutiny players showing up there. Mm-hmm. Just, just saying. There, there may be some there. There, there may be some, some other places. Uh, uh, I wanted to make sure some of the players uh, got good homes, and I know a couple of good owners. And in the NPSL as well, there may be some players that show up in the NPSL um, as well. The, my, my buddy down, Eric down in Georgia Revolution, he may have a player or two, so you may want to watch out for them as well. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, we're um, this will air after, uh, but we're very much looking forward to visiting Tobacco Road. We're actually visiting them for their first game of the season, uh, and uh, uh, we hadn't been up there yet, so we're really excited to see what they uh, have going on up there. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they've got a great little program there. Um, Seth does a great job. They've got some incredible talent. I mean, uh, it's it's amazing. They're probably in the top four, or five most talented individual teams in the country every year. Mm-hmm. Um, their biggest problem, and, and and I don't know how to overcome it, but when you have, you know, four or five of the best players from Duke, or four or five of the best players from Chapel Hill, getting those kids to play together, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's the that's the biggest rivalry in sports. You know, yeah. I believe. 
North Carolina and Duke, you know, um, it's, it's tough to get some of those kids to play together. And, mm. um, if they can get those kids to play together, I'd watch out for tobacco road. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, NCFC is going to be really good this year as well. Mm. They, they've got, uh, you know, new direction. Uh, they, they've got some great ideas there. I, I, I think this, this division this year is going to be wide open since, you know, I can't win it again. So I figure <laughs> someone else needs to win it. So, um, you know, it, it, it's still a good time, you know, Scott up at, um, well, they've renamed their name, Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, where they fusion now, yeah, so yeah, I believe. I think it's like NC fusion or something like that. I think it's NC some fusion. sort of connection to their youth <clears throat> programs up there or something. Yep. Uh, yeah. And he, he's actually has the model that we kind of, tried to follow here at coast fa was mm. having the youth kids all the way up to the pro kids and um having the women's team and having all that and they've done a great job of rebranding and doing all that and you know wake fc you know those guys i've spoken to them many times they uh they i asked them to let me be a resource for them and and they've used me as a resource a lot let's put it that mm. way so they're uh but they they've done some great stuff there uh, I think it's going to be a great year this year for a lot of teams. Um, I see how they realized, uh, you know, all the conferences mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It, it should be interesting. Should be, should be really good. You know, and you can't count Lionsbridge out. I think that's one of the hardest places in the conference to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lionsbridge, that, that small little field that they have and the crowd is incredible up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to, hopefully Mike's listening to this, Mike, I, I do remember beating you guys there and, <laughs> I'll go out on a winning way. Um, so I, I like to get my little digs in on everybody. So, yeah, you know, I can talk trash. And, and um, I, I love their new marketing thing. You know, this is our bridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, if mm-hmm. I can remember correctly, and it may pop up again, but I believe there was your Lions Bridge end up with a mutiny scarf on it. So I think it's the mutiny bridge up there. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so. Claimed it in the in, after the match. Yes, we, we did. I have to give credit to Robert for that one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, we, we did have some good times. Uh, I, I am going to miss – the biggest thing I'm probably going to miss is a lot of this trash talking we have. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's – that's the that's what I – goes back to the whole thing where I started with is – and that's why we joined the USL from the NPSL was those local rivalries. That's that local little ability to, to have that – trash talking but have the respect for each other and Mm. you know it's the usl runs such a professional organization has such standards that there's only so much you can get away with Mm -hmm. but it's great to have that ability to get away with it and it's it's a lot a lot of fun now one thing you guys you guys need to get up to lions bridge though too oh we we are actually we're going up there june 15th we're really excited about that awesome yep Hmm. Awesome. One thing I, I was curious to ask you. So let's say me and Chris are wanting to start a club. Amateur Hour SC. <laughs> exactly. Hypothetically, <laughs> of course. Um, what advice yes, would I'll you give us? Yes, I'll take the job. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. You're not, you're not offering me the job? Oh, okay, if we sorry. were starting a team, you would definitely be our first call. <laughs> yeah. Th- what you didn't realize is this has been a whole job interview. So you've been doing this. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> but... Hypothetically speaking, in that sense, or if just somebody was starting a club, what advice would you give them? Uh, the 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 that's that's a good one, you mm. know. And and it's Wake FC. They asked me that question a couple of years ago, and and Asheville City. They asked me that, you know. Ryan, I still talk when mm. they first started, you know. Um, one of the things that I mistake looking back on it was 
I did one, try to do everything myself mm. to start with. Two, um, you need to get a supporters group. Mm. A supporters group is huge. Um, that's going to help open up sponsorships, fans, all of that stuff. Uh, you're, you're, and, and this is no knock to anyone. Um, and you need to start off with a first-year coach that is very connected to the community. Mm. That may not bring you the best players or the best product, but you've got to get a coach that's connected to the community. If you can't get connected to the community in the first year or two, you're never going to get connected. Mm. Um, and that may hurt you in wins and losses, but um, again, I'm not knocking Asheville because I love what Ryan's done up there, but they didn't have a successful first year, did they? Like, like but, on the field, you mean? On the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were like kind they, of 500 right around there. Not particularly, no. Yeah, I mean, they weren't. They didn't win anything, you know. They they did well though, mm-hmm. but what did they do? They had a lot of, you know, Gary Hamill connected the local college. They had a lot of kids involved, a lot of coaches involved in the youth club, um, that were a lot involved with it. So that was a huge impact for them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where they've done so great. They started a supporters club. They've done the the little things that need to do, and got a team around him to help him with it. Um, and, and that's where the, the basis, you know, I, I talk about in, in my career, you know, the most important thing to putting things together is protection. Mm. And he had the protection of everyone else helping him and not mm. failing by himself. <clears throat> and he had all those, those, I don't say eggs in one basket. Mm. Yeah. I, that's, yeah. A, that's what, so the first thing I would do is find some people to do it with you, start a supporters club. Find a coach and some players that are connected in the community and don't expect to win it all your first year. But by year three, you better be winning. <laughs> you know? You know, year two at the latest, at the earliest, year three at the latest. You better be winning. Um, because people want to come see winners. If you keep losing every year, they're not gonna keep coming. You know, and that's that's just facts. Awesome. Well, uh, Pat, uh, whenever we do start Amateur Hour SE, you definitely have the job for GM. Um, well, gee, thanks. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> we just got to, you know, go find a cash machine right quick. But, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I know, you know, talking about, you know, the good and the bad, it can be a little painful and all that. And we're both very upset that we're not going to get to visit Myrtle Beach, you know, to watch soccer this year. But, um, we're very happy we were able to come down there last year and hang out with you and, you know, talk with you and, you know, uh, learn all the stuff that we did about the Muni while, you know, they were around. And uh, we really appreciate you. And we definitely love to have you back on to talk about your opinions on, uh, on you know, League Two as well as uh, the Carolina Conference here. And I don't know what the actual conference is called. We actually were out talking with someone else, Sonny D'Alessandro, earlier this year. And we didn't know what the yeah. conference was called then either. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, that area. So, Sonny's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, I, I've had some great experiences with Sonny. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I've, Sonny does a really, really good job out of Tulsa. Yeah. He, he really does. Yeah, he, he was a lot of fun to talk with. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we definitely love to have you back on to talk about that stuff, your opinions on that. Because, um, you know, we're amateurs. We need a little help from time to time. Um, but uh, Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Pat. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Look forward to it, and uh, hopefully we can do this real soon. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. 
All right. Yeah, thanks for listening to that episode with uh, Pat Piscatelli. Really enjoyed his candid conversation and everything. I totally forgot what I was going to say. Ben is going to be uh, going solo to his beloved Greenville FC this Friday. It is going to go great. <laughs> they're, they're, they're playing against the um, Atlanta We Designed Our Logo on Snapchat SC, <laughs> yeah. um, rebranding from the Silverback. So I don't know which is worse or better or whatever, but um, I hope you have fun. I will be, I think, either at Disney World or on the beach that day. So I'm not going to watch um, cause like we said at the beginning, you know, wife, murder, all that good stuff. So, um, you have fun. I can't wait to hear that episode when I get back from the honeymoon. Um, and, um, Ben, what is your BGN podcast of the week? Because we are very proud members of BGN. Yes, we are. Which is a, the beautiful game network. Yes, it for is. For those that don't know. Um, my BGN weekly podcast of the week. Which is weekly. Is BYF or Backyard Footy. For those mm-hmm. that don't know, um, my f- I'm a little biased in this opinion, but I'll have I'll say I had this opinion before he was on the team. But Hugh Roberts is a center back for the Independence. Um, he has a really good deep dive into talking with players and mm-hmm. coaches, and he just did a recent one with uh, with a trainer as well. Um, it's it really just feels like you're a fly on the wall with two people talking. It's very it's casual in mm-hmm. a good way, um, and really just is a deep dive into players' lives in, in league. And I don't I can't say that I've gotten that perspective with other podcasts. So listen to Backyard Footy, and you will be a better person. Yeah, and I can vouch for that. It's a, it's a really good uh, podcast, and I don't pay attention to any teams in the USL outside of the independents. Uh, all the other teams I pay attention to are amateur. But I knew who Hugh Roberts was before he came here because of how much uh, Ben has fanboyed over him over the years. <laughs> so I can vouch. It's a good podcast and definitely worth your time. And for the first nine people to subscribe using the code Amateur Hour, Ben will offer his services as Dudas Priest at your wedding. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our episode this week. And we'll catch you next